وعنه رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن العبد لا يتكلم بالكلمة من رضوان الله تعالى من رضوان الله تعالى ما يلقى لها بالا وما يلقي عفوا لها بالا يرفعه الله بها درجات وإن العبد لا يتكلم بالكلمة من سخط الله تعالى لا يلقي لها بالا يهوي بها في جهنم رواه البخاري The Prophet says that a slave may say a word uh, from the pleasure of Allah Most High and they don't give that word a thought uh, but because of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise that slave many ranks. And a slave may say or may speak a word from the anger of Allah Most High, or that incurs the anger of Allah Most High. And they don't give that word any thought. And because of it, it lands them in the hellfire. It lands them in the hellfire. Um, Again, this is one of the reasons the ulama considered considered like mocking certain things. People and they mock them all the time. Things that are a shi'ar of the deen, right? Something, for example, mocking the beard. It's known that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had a beard. This is the only reason the Muslims keep beards. Mocking, uh, uh, mocking. You know, the ulama, the old ulama, they wrote these things like mocking the turban. Nowadays, people don't understand. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to wear a turban, so maybe it doesn't apply in the same context. Uh, that it did from before. But, uh, uh, you know, those things, to mock them is as if you're mocking the deen. And mocking the deen, we don't joke about, we don't joke about the deen. And this is one of the things that actually, I, I, after I came back from madrasa, uh, um, after having been out of the country for quite a while, uh, I noticed there's a marked increase in the amount of blasphemy in, in media. And this is part of the aqidah of the, the, the Muslims that sin is qualitatively less bad than kufr, than disbelief. Blasphemy is disbelief. The First Amendment protects certain types of speech. And a person might say that the First Amendment is a good thing. Why? Just because you don't want the government especially a government that's not based on any sort of divine revelation, you don't want them getting up in your affairs and like telling you what to say, what not to say. However, from a point of view of Tasawwuf, which indeed the constitution wasn't written from that point of view, a person should be very careful. There's no freedom of speech. Don't say everything, laugh at everything. That's why you should be careful even who you listen to, much less what you say. Because sometimes listening to something will involuntarily cause you to laugh or mock something. Um which could be what, you could become the bad side of the, this hadith, which is what, a person may say something, they don't even think it's a big deal because of which it lands them in the fire. Mm-hmm. Billah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be our protection. And so this third, third narration, it, it's, uh, it expresses the same idea in even more detail. One said, Abi Abdurrahman Bilal ibn al-Harith al-Muzani, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن الرجل لا يتكلم بالكلمة من رضوان الله تعالى ما كان يظن أن تبلغ ما بلغت يكتب الله له بها رضوانه إلى يوم يلقاه وإن الرجل لا يتكلم بالكلمة من سخط الله ما كان يظن أن تبلغ ما بلغت يكتب الله له بها سخطه إلى يوم يلقاه 
رواه مالك في الموطا والترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح سيدنا Abu Abdurrahman Bilal bin Harith al-Muzini radiallahu anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, uh, a man may speak a word from the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, something that pleases Allah Ta'ala, and that person didn't think that this word would get to the point that it got to. Because of that word, Allah Ta'ala writes for that person in His divine decree that I am pleased with this person until the day I meet him. Uh, what does that mean? Does it mean that the day that you meet, the day of judgment, the day I meet him is the day of judgment? Does it mean that after that it, it can change? No, because the day of judgment is a day that starts and it never ends. So every expression that's hatta yomi alqahu or something similar to that until the day that, that that I meet him or the day the person meets Allah or whatever, those are expressions meaning eternity. Those expressions they all mean eternity. That the person is written for them in the divine decree. That this person is some that someone that Allah Taala loves, and a person may speak a word from the anger of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala from the divine anger, uh, and that person wouldn't have thought that 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 word is such a big deal uh, um, as it actually was with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala because of which Allah Taala writes in the divine decree that uh, uh, this is a person that 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 he's angry with until the day he meets Allah Taala, meaning forever. Now, generally speaking, uh, preachers and uh, whatnot will emphasize the negative, the negative aspect of, of a hadith like this. That you know, don't say something bad, laugh at something bad, mock something. Don't give your own opinions with regards to to stuff. People give their own opinions with regards to all sorts of things that they should just really be quiet about. Um, you know, they'll say, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, the nation of Islam, you know. They, you know, they're Muslims, but we just don't agree with them about stuff. No, they're not. They worship a rug merchant from the east, and they say some dude from Chicago is a prophet. It's pretty much open and shut kufr. Uh, you know, and this is a this is a, a, a maxim that the ulama have, and it's based on a number of hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Al kufru millatun wahida that kufr is all one. It's all one milla. One might say, well, this type of, you know, is better than that. No, it's a kufr is all one millah. Ahlul kitab, mushrikeen, atheist, whatever it is, it's all the same. It's all the same millah. There may be legal differences for reasons that, that the unstudied person doesn't understand and how uh, the ahlul kitab are treated from other people. Uh, otherwise, kufr takes a person to the same jahannam. And it, it really is, it's the same millah. Um, this is substantiated by a number of ahadith, um, uh, one of which is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لا يتوارث أهل الملتين That the, the, the two of, people of, uh, of two different millas will not, uh, of two different uh, nations or groups will not, uh, uh, civilizations if you will, will not inherit from one another. And the, 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 the consensus of the ulama it, I shouldn't say the consensus, but the preponderant majority of the ulama say that the meaning of this hadith is that a Muslim doesn't inherit from a kafir, and a kafir doesn't inherit from a Muslim through the mechanism of mirath at the time of death. Rather, the ulama would allow a person, if, a, for example, a, a Christian dies and has Jewish relatives, they would allow the Jewish relatives to inherit from one another. Why? Because the idea is that al kufru millatun wahida. That the, the the Sharia doesn't 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 qualitatively distinct, distinguish between 
different types of kufr. All of them are just kufr. Uh, so, you know, people say all kinds of weird things. Oh, Shaykh, how can you say they're kafirs? They say, La ilaha illallah. It's plain to you. They said Allah Ta'ala is a man and they believed in a prophet after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The same thing can be said about uh, about the, 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 the Qadiani sect that said that uh, a Nabi came to Punjab in the whatever 1900s or 1800s, I should say. Uh, um, it's kufr. It doesn't matter if a person from amongst them is a Hafiz Qur'an, which there's no Hafiz Qur'an amongst them. But even if they were, theoretically speaking, uh, it wouldn't matter. Why? Because, you know, the deen is wrong. But people still, all the time, they say, well, Shaykh, how can you say they're not Muslims? They say, la ilaha illallah. I said, you know, I, people say stuff like that all the time. Those are also from the jinns, from the type, the genus of, of the types of things that a person may say, and they think they're saying something really smart. But what is it? It completely invalidates their iman. Uh, 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 why? Because you cannot believe in that thing and you cannot believe in, in what Rasulullah taught at the same time. Rationally, the two of them are not, cannot be true at the same time possibly. And uh, the deen is not irrational. Uh, so, you know, th- those, those types of things, a person has to be careful if you don't know what you're talking about, if it's not like, you know, if it seems that the ulama are all saying something, and you have your own opinion that's separate than them, then you're going out on a limb. It's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. The person who wishes to be weird or different, they'll be different than everyone in the fire. Meaning what? The whole ummah will go into Jannah and they'll be different at that time as well. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, protect us. Anyway, many preachers, myself not being an exception it seems, will overemphasize the negative part of these ahadith. However, I would also like to point out the positive part of this hadith, that a person should be avid to say good things. And unfortunately, most of us are miskin people. We don't know what good things to say. And most of us, whenever we open our mouth, end up causing more problem than we do uh, benefit. It's a very common condition, and people have gone through it, that you said something, you were trying to help or be nice, and it just ends up making things worse. The wonderful part is Allah Ta'ala already gave you a script. The Mus'haf is there. Read it. Dhikr. Read it. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Say these things. The script is already written for you. Who knows when a person is reading a certain thing from the kalam of Allah Ta'ala or from the kalam of the Rasul ﷺ that a person when they say it in the moment that they say it Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala uh, 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 is pleased with the person. Why? Because you presented yourself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the, the mode of the people that he loves. This is not something that's, this is not something that's uh, uh, completely implausible, nor is it something that we don't have an example of. The example of it is what? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say about the veterans of the Battle of Badr? He says, what do you know about the people who were present at the Battle of Badr that Allah ta'ala didn't look at what's inside of their hearts? and say, do whatever you want, after this day you are forgiven. Meaning what? There are deeds a person can do. Many people, they live decades after that. There are deeds that a person can do, uh, because of which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will write that this person, I'm pleased with them. The rest of your life is just a cherry on type. Your sins will not harm you anymore, nor will your, and all of your good deeds will just cause you to raise and rank higher and higher. Now the difference between them and between us is that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa isn't, here to inform us whether that's happened or not. And this is from the akhbar of the ghayb. This is from the news that only comes from the unseen. So we won't know it happened. But it happens. So you should look for that. 
you should try, you should make intention, sit down, open the mushaf and sit down and say, Ya Allah, make this, these words that I say from, from, from your kalam, those words because of which, the, like the hadith, it, 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 like it's written in the hadith that these are the words that I'll say because of which you write that you're pleased with me until the day that you, you meet me, the day that you see me. Speaking the truth is like that as well. Speaking the truth that there, I mean, so anyone who's like, mashallah, uh, uh, been successfully married for a decent amount of time knows that speaking the truth all the time is not like, just because something's true doesn't mean that you, you should say it all the time. But the idea is what? The idea is that speaking the truth at the right time in the right place, someone's being oppressed, somebody is being, uh, their haq is being taken away from them, somebody's being belittled w- without just cause. Someone is saying something batal and corrupting the, uh, you know, corrupting or insulting the ideas of the deen. MashaAllah, it's, you know, the First Amendment is there. You can give them a jawab, you can say something back to them. Speaking the truth at the right time. It could be one of those things that Allah Ta'ala is proud of you, that you, you, you know, that batal doesn't abide in front of you, that you're able to say the truth. Now this doesn't extend to things like, oh yeah, you should say I mean out loud or you shouldn't. These are differences of opinion. People think they're speaking the haqq, they're just making a fool out of themselves by, and causing fitna amongst people by, by talking about those things. But there are some things that, 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 that aren't like that. You see someone being racist against another person, you, and especially under the cloak of deen. You see somebody lying... Uh, to another person, you see somebody, uh, you know, and trying to steal their haq from them. You see someone, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, encouraging people to uh, not follow uh, the the commandments of the deen and follow some other like worldly imperative. If you speak the truth at that time, you should do it with in your heart with the idea that I'm saying this for the for the pleasure of Allah Taala, because Allah Taala loves the people who speak the truth in the face of uh, injustice or in the in the face of falsehood. Uh, there are certain occasions which a person should say something good and have uh, a good hope and a good intention, ihtisab, hope for reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, the, for, 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 for having said that. And this is a saying of the ulama, some people attribute it to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, although the attribution is weak. But whether or not the attribution is strong, the meaning is correct. This, uh, the, the, that sakata anil haqqi shaytanun akhras. 95% of the time, it's better to stay quiet. Every now and again, you'll come across a, a, a somewhere that the haqq is very clear. It's not a difference of opinion or a confusing matter. In those cases, the person who in front of the haqq, which is well known, it's well known that Rasulullah is not from the south side of Chicago. Man sakata anil haqqi shaytanun akhras. The person who's silent when it comes time to say the truth, that person is a tongueless shaitan. So that's also, you know, like the, you know, the idea is that a person shouldn't open their mouth until the benefit is clear. In those situations where the benefit's clear, but it may be like awkward, or the benefit is completely spiritual, and it's counterbalanced by a harm to your dunya, albeit a harm that's less than the, the spiritual benefit. In those times, you should say something. That's what the tongue is for. Otherwise, again, just like we said, a person is not supposed to just, you know, uh, uh, take off their clothes and wander into the forest and starve themselves to death with regards to the dunya. The tongue is also, if the tongue was everything that came out of it was evil, then the sunnah would be just to cut it off and throw it away. But it's not. There's, there's a lot of good things it was made for.
It was made for, 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 for taking the divine name. It was for, made for saying, La ilaha illallah. A person should, should uh, uh, use it for those reasons and not, uh, not miss that opportunity just because there are other situations in which a person shouldn't use it on. On Sufyan, on Sufyan ibn uh, Abdullahi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, قَالَ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ حَدِّثْنِي بِأَمْرِنَا اَعْتَصِمْ بِهِ قَالَ قُلْ رَبِّيَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقِمْ قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ مَا أَخْوَفُ مَا تَخَافُ عَلَيَّا فَأَخَذَ بِلِسَانِ نَفْسِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم قال هذا رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح Sayyidina Sufyan bin Abdullahi radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that I said, O Messenger of Allah, say to me a, a, a matter that I can hold fast to. Give me a command that I can hold fast to. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, say, My Lord is Allah, then be steadfast in, 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 in all of the things that that entails. Uh, uh, I said, O Messenger of Allah, uh, what is the most frightening thing that you fear for me? And he took his tongue, uh, he took hold of his own tongue, and then he said this. Uh, it's a hadith narrated by Tirmidhi, and he said it's Hassan Sahih. Uh, and look, both of the things that both of the things that are mentioned, the 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 command that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam gave was something that has to do with the tongue. Say, my Lord is Allah subhanahu wa taala. And in riwayat, there's also the expression comes of Qulillah, just say Allah. Uh, and both of these, uh, both of these wordings are also proofs for the 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 praiseworthiness and the virtue of dhikr, of making the dhikr of the divine name. It says, "Say, say, my Lord is Allah," and then be steadfast in all the things that that entails. So the the thing that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanded to starts with what, with speech. And the thing that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said was the most frightening thing that he was afraid of. For for uh, the questioner was what, also the tongue. So a person shouldn't underestimate. It's a free country. I can say what I want. Blah blah blah. That's fine. In like in front of a, a judge in a court in America, I agree. That's factually correct. In front of Allah Taala, there's no amendments. For a second, there's no amendment in front of Allah Taala. No human being is three fifths of a person for the purposes of taxation and polling. In front of Allah, Ta'ala, none of that stuff matters in front of Allah Taala. His haq over everybody is absolute. So a person should fear what, what the outcome of their speech is going to be on that day. When Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama la tukthiru al-kalama bi ghayri dhikrillahi fa inna kathrata al-kalami bi ghayri dhikrillahi ta'ala qaswatun lil-qalbi wa inna ab'ad al-nasi min Allah al-qalbi al-qasi. Rawahu al-Tirmidhi. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, don't, uh, uh, don't make great amounts of speech without the mention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, without the dhikr of Allah ta'ala. For verily, uh, speaking much without mentioning Allah ta'ala is hardness for the heart. And the most cursed of people is the one who is, whose heart is hard. Meaning what? Right? Ab'ad literally means... Uh, uh, Aba'ad literally means what? Means distant. And to be distant from Allah Ta'ala, obviously Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is, you know, huwa ma'akum ma kuntum, wa huwa aqrabu min wareed. Allah is with you wherever you are. Allah is closer to the slave than his own, his own carotid artery, right? The, the artery that takes blood to the brain. 
it's like the, the connection between the heart and the brain. That's basically, it's really close, right? So what does Abad mean? It means furthest from Allah Ta'ala's mercy, which is the definition of being cursed. The most cursed of people is the one who has a hard heart, meaning the heart that should be able to accept the positive influence of revelation and should be able to accept and benefit from the, the, the light of the divine mercy and should be able to accept and benefit the, 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 the light of a good word or of a good deed. It's completely, it's like, you know, a person, you know, he says, here, I got, I got you a laptop. And no matter how much you plug in the charger, it doesn't turn on. No matter how much you click the, the keys and push buttons, it doesn't do anything. It's just a form of a laptop. It's completely useless. It's a form of a phone. But you can't call anyone and uh, you can't, you know, send an email from it. What is completely pointless, right? So the heart, if it becomes defective like that, this is a sign of Allah's curse on a person. So the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, people should be... Uh, uh, avid that it should be made they should pause when they speak with you know one another they should pause and make sure that Allah Ta'ala is mentioned and that can be done by simple things again saying inshallah and saying alhamdulillah and saying these things not in the colloquial way that we say them but actually to rem- remember Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that's why these things are part of the, the, the speech of people who come from Muslim cultures is because the influence of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam sunnah on people's conduct. People should gather together in their gatherings. They should have majalis of dhikr as well. They should spend some time that's in the listening to the recitation of the Quran or in repeating the divine name or in hearing the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And different people, their dispositions connect with with different forms of the dhikr of Allah Taala. Someone's more academic will connect more with the teaching and learning. Uh, somebody, you know, they may connect more with speaking about things and hearing, you know, good speech or wa'ad, uh, exhortation and preaching. Somebody, uh, you know, usually the person whose heart is the most clear, they prefer just to hear the divine name and say the divine name or at least remember it inside of their heart. These things, we should do them. It's not possible in every gathering. If you go back to your like relatives and, you know, like, hey, guys, your cousins and your uncles and everyone's like, let's make zikr right now. And they'll laugh at you and probably all of them will commit kufr and laughing at you. And so, don't, you know, if that's the case, then don't do it. Just, you know, say inshallah or alhamdulillah when you're able to and that counts, that counts for you, right? But the idea is this, is that inshallah, then once you have your own home, and you have your own children, and you are the head of your family and your household, then you should move things in that direction. It's good, it's a good thing, you know, like the course pack. You don't don't give a bayan about it if you don't know what you're talking about. Just sit and read the hadith of the Prophet and read the translation. These things, there's a lot of khair and barakah in it. And a conversation of three hours, just by mentioning one hadith of the Prophet وسلم, it will become, it will, it will have barakah, it will be something that you will... Uh, be a cause of happiness for you Yom Al-Qiyamah. Whereas that majlis and that gathering in which much speech is made and Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam aren't mentioned, uh, 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 that, 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 that gathering will be a source of regret on the Day of Judgment. It comes in the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that the people who, who get up from a gathering in which uh, Allah's uh, remembrance isn't made, it's as if they were just sitting around the, the carcass of a dead animal. It's going to smell bad, it stinks. A person will say, why were we doing that? A person will regret it just like they'll regret having sat around the, the dead and, and, and rotting carcass of an animal. 
Sayyidina Uqbat ibn Amir radiyallahu ta'ala anhu narrates, he says, Qala qultu ya Rasulullahi man najatu, qala imsik alayka lisanak wal yasa'aka baytuk wabki ala khati'atik, rawah al-Tirmidhi wa qala hadithan hasan. Sayyidina Uqbat ibn Amir radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he narrates that, I said, O Messenger of Allah, what is salvation? What is being saved? What does that look like? He said, Hold fast to your tongue. Meaning, don't just let the tongue fly when it wants to. Restrain it. Right? Let your house be spacious for you. It's not a commandment to build large houses. It's an expression meaning what? Spend more time in your home rather than in public spaces. Why? Because inside a person's own home, you know, generally speaking, they're not going to rob anyone. They're not going to cheat anybody. They're not going to commit zina. They're not going to see the haram. They're not going to get drunk, etc. Why? Because those things are not in the home. Let your house be expansive for you. Set your house up in 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 a, in, a, in a way that you can you can you, you can uh, you know you can live there. You can spend more of your time there than than not. Again, there's exceptions to this. There's times in which it's blameworthy for a person to stay home. The hour of Jumu'ah, it's haram for you to stay home. But the exceptions don't teach you about the rule. Once you're done with everything else that you have to do, go to work, go to school, go to the masjid, all that stuff, the rest of the time, it's superior for a person to spend it in, in their home. Why? Because the means of disobedience are not there. And uh, if they are, get rid of them. Someone said, well, actually, you know, there's a six-pack of beer in my fridge. Then throw it away. Don't give it to the neighbor. Open every can and pour it out into the sink. And throw it away. Right? Well, Shaykh, you know, it's TV. And, okay, get rid of your TV then. My phone. Get rid of your phone. But then... I need it for work. Okay, then use it when you leave the house. Leave it in your, the glove compartment of your car. Don't take it into your house. I mean, different people are different. Some people, they have different needs than others uh, 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 with regards to all of these things. But the idea is this, is that set up your home in a way that it's conducive to live your life how you know you should live and then live there rather than getting caught up in, in, in other uh, nonsense and silliness. And if you're living your life inside the mall, then that's going to be the, you know, the influence in whoever is setting up the shops they don't care for your akhirah, they're trying to make a buck, so whatever happens, happens. Uh, the deck is stacked against you. But inside of your home, it's generally speaking, inside of your home, it's easier to uh, avoid disobedience than, than outside. Wabki ala khati'atik. He says, remember your, remember your sins and cry about them. And this is a concept in the deen as well. The most foul of people are the ones that scrutinize others', others faults. The most beloved of people, the most beloved of people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the most noble of people are the ones who, what? They're so preoccupied with their own faults that they don't even see the faults of other people. And this is a constant, this is a constant, uh, 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 in terms of uh, uh, describing the awliya of Allah ta'ala, the people of sainthood and the people of Allah ta'ala's love. That there, there are people, you'll read it again and again from across times and across lands, that those were the people who constantly would, uh, uh, you know, they were constantly obsessed with their own faults. The idea is what? Uh, 
if you're cognizant of your own fault, you'll A, repent for it, and Allah Ta'ala accepts the sincere repentance. B, if you're constantly uh, 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 agonizing over it, you will do more to rectify it. And if you're not able to completely rectify it, you'll at least cover it up and hide it better. You know, like if you're gonna whatever go on TV or whatever, and you have like a scar across your face, they'll powder it, and they'll you know because you're aware of it. If you're not aware of it, then that 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 aib will never be, never be fixed. It will never be covered up. It won't. You won't do anything. It will just harm you in this world. That it will harm harm you in the hereafter. There's no shame. Rather, there's the honor in a person remembering their sins and weeping over 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 them. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make us those who weep in front of Him. Because the hellfire doesn't touch the eye that, that cries for Allah Ta'ala's sake. The hellfire doesn't touch the eye that cries for Allah Ta'ala's sake. And the person whose heart is hardened, so, oh, you know, nothing wrong with me. The person who's completely insensitive to any of these things, that person is the most cursed by Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. When Sayyidina Abi Sa'idin al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu anil-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qala idha asbah ibn Adama inna al-a'adda'a kullaha tukafiru al-lisana تقول اتق الله اتق 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 الله فينا فإنما نحن بك وإن استقمت فإن استقمت استقمنا وإن اعوججت اعوججنا رواه الترمذي ومعنى تكفر اللسان تذل وتخضع له uh, Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said when a person, when the son of Adam wakes up in the morning, all of the limbs, and here by the limbs we don't mean merely physical but spiritual, all of the spiritual organs, the whole everything, body, physical and spiritual, all of them, they humble themselves, they ask very hum- with great humility, uh, uh, they, they humble themselves and they say uh, uh, to the tongue, uh, in humility, pleading, begging the tongue that fear Allah Ta'ala with regards to our affair. Because if you are straight, then our affair is straight. And if you're crooked, then all of our affair will beco- become crooked. When Abi Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala atadruna mal ghiba qalu Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lam qala dhikruka akhaka bima yakrahu قِيلَ أَفَرَأَيْتَ إِنْ كَانَ فِي أَخِي مَا أَقُولُ قَالَ إِنْ كَانَ فِيهِ مَا تَقُولُ فَقَدْ اغْتَبْتَهُ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ فِيهِ مَا تَقُولُ فَقَدْ بَهَتَّهُ رواه مسلم عن سيدنا أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه uh, that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said, asked, asked his companions do you know what غيبة, what backbiting is? they said Allah and his messenger know best this is a beautiful thing about the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. What did they say? When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would ask him a question, they would say, Allah and His Messenger sallallahu know best. It was from their humility. Nowadays everyone's a smarty pants. Well, in my opinion, according to my research, shut up, man. If someone knows more than you, or there's even a possibility that they know more than you, when they ask a question, if you say like, yeah, can you tell me? If you already knew and they say something you knew already, no loss, no skin off of your back. If you say, yes, I know, and you blurt something out, 
and stop them from saying something that you possibly didn't know, then you're not going to learn anything ever again. This is a big problem. People who think that they know, they close the door of learning on themselves. That's why you'll see people of great knowledge, they always, they're always interested to hear what other people have to say. Why? Because they might learn something new. In fact, sometimes that chance is so remote that rarely will they actually learn something new because they know so much. But because the possibility exists, they cannot resist. Why? Because they love to learn things. If you love to feel like you know everything, then you'll get that feeling, but you're not going to learn anything. So this is the adab that Rasulullah trained the Sahaba عنهم, with. That he would ask them questions so many times. And they would say, what? Allah and His Messenger, Allah and His Messenger know best. He said وسلم, that backbiting is to mention your brother in a way that they would, would dislike. They asked Ya Rasulullah, what if the thing I mention is true? They said, if the thing you mention is true, then you backbit him. And if, you, uh, 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 if the thing you mentioned isn't true, then you slandered him. It's a different sin. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different sin. Both of them are haram. Both are, uh, slandering another person, completely haram. Slander is to say something about someone that's not, uh, bad about someone that's not true. And libel is to do the same thing in print. It's slander, but it's in print. All, all of the above are haram. One said that Abi Bakrata radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqala fi khutbatihi yawman nahri biminan fi hajjihi alwada'i inna dima'akum wa amwalakum wa a'radakum haramun alaykum ka hurmati yawmikum hadha fi shahrikum hadha fi baladikum hadha ala ala hal balagtu muttafaqun alayhi Sayyidina Abu Bakra who is not Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, but a different companion. He narrates radiallahu ta'ala anhu that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said in his khutbah on the day of, uh, on the day of Nahr, which is the tenth of the Hijjahs, what we call Eid al-Adha, except for when you're in Hajj, there's no Eid al-Adha. Eid al-Adha for, is for people who are not in Hajj. When you're in Hajj, it's called Yom al-Nahr, and there's different set of rituals that you do. Right? If you're in Hajj, you don't pray the Eid prayer. So it's called Yom al-Nahr for the person in Hajj. He said in his khutbah on the Yom al-Nahr. But whether you're in Hajj or you're not in Hajj, the one thing that's consistent between both of them is that the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah is the most sacred day in the entire year. The most sacred night of the entire year is Laylatul Qadr. And the most sacred day of the entire year is what? The 10th of Dhul-Hijjah. And so on the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah, on the Yom al-Nahr, when he's in Mina, which is out of all of the places in the world, it's the most sacred place to be on that. The ulama say that there's more reward in being in Mina on that day than there is in being in the Haram Sharif and, and touching the black stone. Why? Because that's the, where Rasulullah was on that day. That's why people, even though they have hotel rooms, their hotel rooms are empty in front of the Haram Sharif, they stay in tents like all boxed up. Anyone here done Hajj before? MashaAllah. Yeah, Mina is like not super spacious accommodation. You're, you're basically crammed in real tight. Uh, but people do it because, MashaAllah, the Muslims love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they love to follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is a very sacred time in a very sacred place. Uh, uh, how many times did Rasulullah make Hajj? He only made Hajj one time after, after revelation. Uh, and so that Hajj, they called it Hajjatul Wada'a because that was like the lar- last large profile 
appearance that he had sallallahu alaihi wasallam he passes away less than 4 months after uh, after that alayhi salatu wasallam so it's in the last part of his life so they call it the farewell hajj even though it's the only hajj he ever did um, he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam so okay and this is another thing to keep in mind this is the largest gathering that he ever addressed sallallahu alaihi wasallam they say that upwards to per, over 100,000 people were present upwards to over 100,000 people were present at this gathering what did he choose to say it's a very important time and in a very important place uh, and this is not uh, this is not the entire this is not the entire uh, uh, what you call uh, speech but this is a snippet of it it's a, it's a, it's a very important snippet that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said what he said indeed your blood and your wealth and your honor are sacred and inviolable for you just like this day is sacred why because the yawm al-nahr is the, the 10th of the hijjah is the most sacred day of the year and this uh, uh, month of yours is sacred the month of dhul-hijjah is the most sacred month in the year even more sacred than ramadan even though you don't eat samosas and pakoras in it it's still more sacred Even though the you know the masjid may not have as uh, as many fundraisers, it's still more sacred. Fi baladikum hada in the the haram. The haram is the sacred boundary that surrounds Makkah Mukarramah, which the Arabs all universally, whether in Islam or in Jahiliyyah, they considered it to be sacred. Uh, you consider even the the mushrikeen they used to if they had they executed someone, they would kill Muslims. They would capture them. They'd execute them. What would they do? They would walk them out out of the haram to Tanaim or to the hill somewhere outside of that sacred boundary that surrounds Makkah Mukarramah, and then they would kill them there. They would not kill them inside of the haram because of its sacred status. Obviously, that's not a very good way of respecting the haram either by killing an innocent man by walking them outside. So they understood one small part about about venerating Allah Taala, and they missed like a whole the bigger picture. But khair. The idea is that the, that that place was sacred as well. Mina is inside of the of the haram. Mina and Muzdalifah are inside of the haram. Arafat is outside. Arafat is outside of the outside of the haram. There's a whole fiqhi discussion with regards to whether standing in Arafat is more more uh, carries more reward and virtue or the the tawaf al ifada and hajj. But you can come to fiqh class for that discussion. We're not going to talk about it right now. But uh, uh, but. What is Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam saying? He says these three, these three things are sacred. What the blood of uh, of of a Muslim and the property of a Muslim and the honor of a Muslim are sacred, like this day is and this month is and this 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 land. And then he turned to the heavens, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he he asked Allah Taala. He says, "Have I not delivered this message to them?" Have I not delivered this message? And the Sahaba radiAllahu anhum in unison, they 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 exclaimed, uh, 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 they they exclaimed, yes, you delivered this message. Now, what I want to bring your attention to is the uh, the idea that most of us know killing each other is haram, and we're pretty diligent about not killing each other. Even maybe if one or two of us killed someone, it's like not like every day. You know what I mean? It like happened, and you're like, yeah, stop for life. Shouldn't have done that, right? We understand it's a bad thing. We also know that that stealing other people's property and damaging other people's property is haram. We're generally diligent about not intentionally doing those things. However, the third thing which is mentioned in the same line, which is what? The honor of other people, we don't care about those things. 
we mock each other, we dog each other, we're not careful about how we address one another in public or in private for that matter. We have no, we have no care about those things. Whereas we have to, we sh- you have to have care about, just because you know, even if you don't like a person, the person who says, La ilaha illallah, their qadr with Allah Ta'ala, it's a part of the aqidah of, of the Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah, that that person is a wali of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. You have to be very careful about how you deal with that person's honor. Even if the person, for example, they sin privately, you don't have the right to expose that publicly. Even if it's something they're doing which is haram, you don't have the right to do it. Why? Because the honor of another person is inviolable. Just like if someone did something haram, it doesn't give you like you know a free free uh, pass to steal their stuff or to kill them. It also doesn't give you free pass to smear that person. Um, the only exception to that is what the person who doesn't bother to who doesn't bother to hide their sins. That person has themselves. It's like a person you know. It's not stealing if a person throws their money out in the street, right? Whoever picks it up picks it up. It's not stealing anymore. That person did it. It's not like you're allowed to go and yank their property just like that if they throw their honor into the garbage then in that case you won't have it's not sinful for you to mention that in front of other people uh, but then again it doesn't mean mention it it means there's no sin in mentioning it otherwise the rule for speech is what if there's no benefit in it you stay quiet because the idea that there's no sin in it is a legal pronouncement but in terms of tasawwuf in terms of the condition of your own heart you have, you know, there, it's harmful for you to just say bad stuff about people. There's a, a Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, tabarak wa taala, narrates one of the uh, a hadith about Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam that he was passing, walking by with his companions, and they saw the rotting carcass of a pig, and he uh, commented how uh, beautiful and white the teeth were. And after a long time, after being disturbed, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam's disciples ask him that why did you that was like a disgusting, that was like a rotting carcass of the pig. Even the sharia of the Yahud, they know it's an unclean animal. And it was a rotting carcass nonetheless, of the most foul and filthy of animals. So why did you say that? Why did you say that nice thing about that rotting pig? He said, I saw and I, I, I felt just as disgusted as you, you all did. And then I felt the need to say something good, lest I say something bad and I become habituated to speaking evil about God's creation. So even if you're not going to be punished, even if there's no sin in saying something bad, it doesn't mean that you have to say it. Right? So if somebody is, you know, a drunkard and an alcoholic, then you don't have to, you don't have to like announce that to the world. If someone, your friend is like, yeah, so-and-so wants to borrow my car, in that case, you can go ahead and tell them. You probably should go out and tell them this person's an alcoholic. They have a problem. You should probably not lend them the car. That's a that's a that's a very legitimate reason to say it. But if there's no reason to say it, then then even then, even just the fact that something is not haram is not a reason to do it. There are many things that are not haram that a person should abstain from. The law is a floor, a minimum level of conduct that a person should have. Just because something's halal doesn't mean that a person should say it. I could give Jumma khutbah wearing a, a, a pink dress. Okay, fine. Someone might say, okay, tashbih bin nisa. Okay, I'll wear a pink uh, thob. Just because it's not haram doesn't mean it's a good idea. Uh, uh, and there are a lot of other examples I can give, but sometimes my examples are so over the top that they, uh, 
serve as a distraction from the, the, the content that I'm trying to deliver. The idea is just if something's not haram, uh, it doesn't mean that it's a, it's a good idea. So with regards to uh, um, uh, with regards to what we what we just finished uh, talking about the the honor of other people is 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 sacred. The honor of other Muslims is sacred, uh, and people just kind of miss out on the idea that it's you know harming it is just as bad as 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 uh, as, as physically assaulting a person or or, or stealing their property. Or harming or damaging the property. And nahyu an al wa bada al lisan. This is a, a sub chapter with regards to the the prohibition of obscene speech, uh, obscene and foul speech, meaning talking about things that are obscene and and cursing, using bad language. And this is something, unfortunately, people have no shame with regards to these things anymore. And cursing is also considered to be, you know, it's not a big deal anymore. People uh, who should be otherwise respectable people, they'll liberally and without need, you know, this is the F word and this word and that word. They'll use all of these expressions that are not, that are not part of the, the, you know, like they're not part of the, the demeanor of a Muslim. And those words sometimes sparingly if like in a year one time someone uses some harsh word in order to drive home a point in a specific situation where they know that no one's going to listen unless they say that maybe there can even be a discussion regarding whether it's permissible or not but for no reason when you could have gotten your point across without using it there's no there's no benefit why what did we say everything you say a copy of it is sent into your heart if you want to die on Iman, you want the last words, your last words to be uh, La ilaha illallah, then repeat it, keep repeating it, repeating it. The thing that you have a habit of repeating, that's what you'll say before you die. Because all actions, the end of, act, of any affair is a manifestation of the reality of that affair. This is a part of our aqidah. The end of any affair is a manifestation of the reality of that affair. So a person who walks around saying the F word and effing this and that and the other thing their whole life, what are they going to say before they die? Are they going to say, okay, look, the angel of death is coming, now I'm going to say, la ilaha illallah? No. At that time, they're not going to have control over their tongue anymore. They'll say the things that they used to say when they were, when they were alive. They won't even have control anymore at that point. And so if you're actually, you're, you're end, your end is a manifestation of what your reality is, some people will leave this, this, this life, you know, the, the car is coming, they're about to get hit, and they'll, say, they'll curse and that's, that's what they are. And another person will say the divine name. And that's a reflection of who they are. You're not going to be able to get to that point if you're constantly, uh, uh, you know, whatever, effing this and that and the other thing. That's why you also, I'm, you know, like comedians are real funny to listen to and whatever, movies and things like that. And people say things that are really funny. Some people even using, like even cursing is like an art form. It's not a good art form. But it's an art form. Some people are more adept at it than others. Some people will say things that are so funny, literally you'll remember after 20 years and it will make you laugh. The enjoyment of that, a person enjoys, there's some benefit to the enjoyment of it. The problem is if you keep listening to these things over and over and over again, again, the tongue sends a copy to the heart, the, ear is also, the ears are also an inroad into the heart. If a person habituates themselves to listening to that nonsense again and again, what will happen all of it will pour out like sewage coming out of the coming out of a, a plug drain. When at the time you can least afford it happening, at the time of your death, 
If it happens at any other time, what's the worst that could happen? You'll get fired from your job, this, that, and the other thing. If it happens at the time of the death, it becomes much more serious. It becomes a much more serious issue. Allah Ta'ala protect us. So, An ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam laysa al-mu'minu bit-ta'ani wala la'ani wala al-fahishi wala al-badhi Rawah al-Tirmidhi wa qala hadithun hasan Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu said a believer is not the one who is always accusing or cursing others making dua against others meaning ta'an is a person who finds faults with others ta'an literally in Arabic means like to uh, stab someone with a spear and metaphorically here it means just to say mean stuff and like to like just point out people's faults and whatever. That you're not there to make ta'an in other people and you're not there to curse other people. Allah Ta'ala send this person to the hellfire, this person go to hell, that person go to hell. May you lose your house, may you lose this, may you lose that. The believer, that's not his habit that he constantly walks around doing those things. Uh, nor is he uh, obscene, right? Fuhsh is what? Being completely gross and over the top in everything that you say. Uh, especially in, in, in sexual matters. Nor is that person badi, nor is that person uh, 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 foul-mouthed in the sense that they use bad words uh, all the time. And Sayyidina Anas ibn Malikin radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama ma kana al-fuhshu fi shay'in illa shanahu wa ma kana al-haya'u fi shay'in illa zanahu rawahu al-tirmidhi wa qala hadithun hasan Sayyidina Anas bin Malik anhu said obscenity was never part of anything except for that it marred it, it made it ugly and, and bad. And haya, haya is what? Uh, it's generally translated as shame. Shame implies that you did something bad. Haya is what? The preference for obscurity rather than being exposed in front of everyone all the time. Modesty is probably a better, a better translation. So modesty is never part of anything except for it beautified it. And we live in a in a in a culture that what? Right? What's better than a thousand Facebook followers or friends? It's a ten thousand. Person has a hundred thousand is like a great wali of Allah. And the person who has a million, this person is like a Nabi now, mashallah. They think that they can't do any wrong. Obscurity, there's khair in it. There's exceptions to those rules. People who have like p- positions that, like you know, for example, they're making islah of society, or they have to communicate with people, otherwise they won't do their jobs properly. Like you know, people who are in government or whatever. Even those people, most of them misuse it. But khair, there is a proper use for those people. If you're not one of those exceptions, don't don't put yourself out there. Why? Because haya didn't enter into anything except for what? Except for it made it what? Beautiful. Rasulullah said what? Haya didn't enter anything except for him. It made it beautiful. He didn't say makeup. He didn't say screen filters and nice clothes. Some of those things are not haram. But the idea is that, that, that haya is what makes a, a person beautiful, not not like putting themselves out there. Tahrim al-kadhib. The prohibition of lying. قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَلَا تَقْفُ مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ وَقَالَ تَعَالَى مَا يَلْفَضُ مِنْ قَوْلٍ إِلَّا لَدَيْهِ رَقِيبٌ عَتِيدٌ وعن سيدنا عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الصدق يهدي إلى البر وإن البر يهدي إلى الجنة وإن الرجل لا يصدق حتى يكتب عند الله صديقا 
وإن الكذب يهدي إلى الفجور وإن الفجور يهدي إلى النار وإن الرجل لا يكذب حتى يكتب عند الله كذابا متفق عليه سيدنا عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله تعالى عنه he narrates that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said indeed truthfulness veracity being true it guides a person toward piety what is piety piety doesn't mean being religious piety means fulfilling the rights of others religiously fulfilling the rights of others even if it's not in your favor it's such a hard thing to do and you know I feel bad a lot of these things that are mentioned in the hadith maybe if you scrutinize my life you would say oh this guy is preaching about this stuff go make amal yourself so I admit from beforehand when you see my deeds and you say oh look he was reading all these hadiths and his own life was a mess I'm just what we're mentioning what Rasulullah said it's hard it's not easy it's easy to tell another person to fulfill people's rights even when it's not in your in your in your favor to religiously fulfill people's rights it's not easy Allah forgive us it's not easy Allah Ta'ala give us help uh, it's not an excuse not to do it but it's not easy sometimes a person has to struggle in order to get to that point so that truthfulness guides toward piety and piety guides toward Jannah and a person will keep speaking the truth until he's written with Allah Ta'ala as a truthful one or as a person of true faith again it's the idea that speaking the truth at the right time it pays off uh, and lies guide toward fujur. Fujur is like profligacy, sinning openly and disregard for uh, disregard for the sacred law. And fujur will uh, and, and profligacy will guide a person toward the fire. And uh, a man may lie and carry on lying until he's written with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala as a liar. Wal-iyadu billah, Allah Taala be our protection. Allah Taala be our protection from such an end. وعن سيدنا عبد الله بن عمرو رضي الله تعالى عنه ابن العاص رضي الله تعالى عنه عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أربع من كن فيه كان منافقا خالصا ومن كانت فيه خصة منهن كانت فيه خصة من نفاق حتى يدعها إذا تمنا خان وإذا حدث كذب وإذا عهد غدر وإذا خاصم فجر متفق عليه Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with both of them. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As is very unique amongst the Sahaba radiallahu anhum in the sense that he was the only one who was given the, the permission to write down the hadith of the Prophet All the other Sahaba transmitted them orally and they were written later. And Rasulullah out of the amana of the Qur'an, he forbade anyone from writing the Qur'an, writing anything other than the Qur'an during his lifetime, so that people wouldn't confuse them. The only one who was given an exemption for this uh, in general was Abdullah bin Amr bin As, who was the son of Amr bin As. He accepted Islam more than a full 10 years before his father did. And there was only 13 years of age difference between the two of them. So both of them, they lived their life together for most of their, most of their lives, with the exception that the son had a higher rank in Islam than the father did. Um, uh, so Abdullah bin Amr bin Asr anhu is a very interesting person. If we had time, we would say more about him. Uh, he narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, whoever has four attributes in them, that person is a pure munafiq, they're a pure hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? Someone who pr- may profess faith 
outwardly but inwardly the reality inside of their heart is completely that of kufr of what? of disbelief a person four things if they're in a person four qualities if they're in a person that person is a complete hypocrite uh, and whoever has uh, a, an attribute or some attributes from them then that person has that those attributes of, of, of hypocrisy in them until they leave those attributes Meaning they're not a complete munafiq, but they have nifaq. They're not a complete hypocrite, but they carry inside of them hypocrisy until they leave these traits. And what are they? If that person is trusted, entrusted, they will be treacherous. And if that person, if that person, uh, 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 sorry, if they're entrusted, that person is treacherous. With a haddatha kathib. And when that person speaks, it's a lie. Oh yeah, I'll come. I'll come by tomorrow, and you don't come by tomorrow. That's sufficient. So the many things we do, they're not true. We say many untrue things, and we don't consider them lies, but they're lies. We said something that's not true, and we had no intention of fulfilling. If they're entrusted with something, someone, they're treacherous with their with that trust. You say, "Hey, can you keep this like money for me?" And then when you come back for the money, "Hey, I don't know where it is. I don't know. You know exactly where it is. You spent it." There are people like that. Uh, Allah Ta'ala protect us from ever being people like that and when they speak it's not their spe- speech is not true it's a lie if they promise you something they won't fulfill the promise and if they argue with you about something it, the argument exceeds all bounds this is also a really bad trait in people there are certain things that you have a disagreement with somebody about it just let it go it's not really that big of a deal uh, but there are certain things that like, you know, somebody, uh, uh, whatever, like, you know, somebody uh, said something that you didn't like. Maybe they didn't even t- intend to like upset you. Or maybe they did and they apologized it for, for, for you, you know, to you afterward for it. But you act like this person like crucified your like grandmother. It doesn't, you know, you have to let things go. This is a real screwed up trait that a lot of people have. I see this in our community a lot. Especially amongst religious people. Because of religiousness, many people become very self-righteous. You have to let things go and someone, especially people who apologize. If someone apologizes and you can't let, let it go, then you're a monster. Not like the energy drink, like the bad monster. Although the energy drink is not that great either. But khair. And you're a doctor, you can tell us more about that later. But uh, the idea is what? You're not a good person. Some people, small things... People like things that are a legitimate difference of opinion in the masjid, they'll, especially the, they'll, they'll get up on somebody. So, oh, sh- like one person will be like, you don't know, the person maybe like hasn't prayed in the last like year, several years. They come to the masjid first time. Brother, your hand's supposed to be here, not over here. Your hand's supposed to be here, not over here. That's just not a good sign. Obsessing and nitpicking over things that are not really that big of a deal. The maximum... If you really, really need to say something, say, you know, the, the school I follow, they say that it's like this and this is the Dalil, that's fine. And if the person doesn't want to accept it, they don't want to accept it. But to let, like, like arguments exceed all bounds. To exceed all bounds. Someone owes you $100. Take them to small claims court. Don't say they're a kafir. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not even saying that. Okay, sometimes you have a difference with somebody. 
and you need to get it redressed. I'm not even saying don't get it redressed, but don't let it exceed the boundary. The, everything has like a natural set of parameters and a boundary that it should stay inside of. Don't let things exceed the, 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 the boundaries that, uh, that they should stay inside of, right? You're a kafir. I'm going to kill you. What do you mean? Okay, fine. The person doesn't believe in Islam. You, you, you don't have any right to harm them physically, much less kill them. What is it? There are people like that. There are entire jamaats of people that call themselves Muslims and they shamelessly make a flag out of the seal of the Prophet Sallallahu ring. And what do they do? They say, oh, you know, I have such and such grievances with the West, so let's just like start killing people indiscriminately. And obviously you should, you know, politically we're mature enough to know that there's usually a story behind every story. It's not just like some dude sat in the masjid and like went crazy. There's other stuff going on too, people pulling screens behind the scenes. But still the idea is this, is that like, it's a sign of nifaq. It's a sign of being a person of nifaq that you let grievances that are illegitimate become legitimate or that are legitimate exceed the boundaries and the parameters of the actual grievance itself. Uh, and this is a real problem. It's a real problem in Masajid, much less in other places. And uh, uh, we need to check ourselves as well. And we need to also realize that this is not, it's not okay, it's not cool, it's not acceptable. Uh, it's, it's a really bad sign. It's a sign of what? Of professing faith outwardly and inwardly, something else may be going on. One said, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma an nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala man tahallama bi hilmin or bi hulmin afwan lam yarahu kullifa an ya'qida bayna sha'iratayni wa lan yafa'ala wa man istama'a ila hadithi qawmin wa hum lahu karihuna subba fi udhunayhi al-anuku yawm al-qiyama wa man sawwara suratan uzziba wa kullifa an Yanfuqa fiha ruha wa laysa binafiq. Rahul Bukhari wa tahallama a qala anahu haluma fi nomihi wa raa kada wa kada wa hua kadibun wa anuku bil maddi wa dum in nuni wa tahfif al kafi hua rasasu al mudabu. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas عنه, he narrates uh, and may Allah ta'ala be pleased with him and his father he narrates that the messenger of Allah وسلم, said the prophet وسلم, said whoever pretended like they saw a dream that they didn't actually see that person the punishment will be that they'll be thrown into the hellfire and they'll be thrown two grains of barley and told to tie a knot out of them and t- once you can tie them into a knot you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll get let out of the fire and obviously you cannot tie two grains of barley into a knot person won't be able to do it. If you say, ah, I saw such and such, or worse yet, I saw the Prophet ﷺ in such and such, and you're just lying to like get people to like think that you receive some sort of like inspiration or whatever, and you're just messing with their heads. And a lot of people do this, by the way. A lot of people do this. Remember this right now. Sufism, no Sufism, fiqh, no fiqh, whatever it is, okay? There is no dream any person can see. You can see all of the anbiya and the angels and Allah Ta'ala and all of these things in your dream. There is no dream whether a person saw it or didn't see it. Whether a person saw it or didn't see it, there is no dream that changes the sharia of the Prophet If someone sees a dream in which the Prophet tells them something that changes the sharia, like pork is halal for you. The interpretation of that is what? He's showing you this, this defect in yourself. Your dreams get them interpreted by the ulama. 
Like, not just like a dude who gives good bayan in the masjid. Like, the actual people who carry this knowledge, it's a specific type of knowledge. The people who carry this hal with them, that they understand these things and they carry this knowledge with them, that they can interpret these things. Don't just be like, oh, I saw this dream or so and so saw this dream, so it means XYZ, because it doesn't mean what you think it means most often. Nothing you see in a dream and no miracle will ever change the sharia of the Prophet ﷺ, which was transmitted outwardly, not through esoteric means. It was transmitted through hadith, it was transmitted through ta'amul, through people see, witnessing things and seeing things and then transmitting them as they saw them in the waking state outwardly. The true dream of a person is a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that there's 70 some odd uh, branches uh, of, 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 of revelation that come to, to come in, uh, under the aegis of prophecy. All of which are closed with me except for the true dream seen by a righteous man of the ummah. Obviously if you see the dream, it's not a wahi. The idea is that those dreams are sent to the people of this ummah in confirmation of the, 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 the transmitted sharia and in order to push a person toward that. Not in order to change it in any way, shape or form. So if someone sees a dream, it doesn't change the hukum of anything at all. The maximum one can say if the Prophet ﷺ, you see him in a dream and he says you should make hajj this year, then it was permissible for you to make hajj. If you haven't made hajj anyway, then it's still farther. So the dream didn't change anything. If you already made hajj before, then the maximum you could say is that because you saw it in a dream, it's recommended for you, not for anybody else. But it doesn't change halal into haram, haram into halal. Or it doesn't change the order of, 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 of uh, hierarchy of importance of things in the sharia. The sharia is transmitted outwardly for that. That's if a person actually saw the dream. If a person's lying about it, we have charlatans in the Muslim world, and Allah Ta'ala, uh, you know, be our protection. We have charlatans in the Muslim world, they'll do weird stuff. Like, the Muslims, in America, mashallah, we're somewhat inoculated from this nonsense because we're impious people. We're concerned with the dunya. So even if someone came to the masjid and Saw, said I saw a dream with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam XYZ we're like yeah whatever you know why because we're, we're, we, don't even, we don't even care about those things there are places in the Muslim world where the people have so much reverence for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam a simple minded person that it doesn't occur to them that this person may be lying they take them for like a joyride oh I saw the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a dream he said that tomorrow in Jummah if you don't raise you know a hundred thousand dollars for the masjid then everyone's going to hell uh, people will start crying and they'll give all their money and this and that and the other thing Whereas what? It's just it's people just lying. Rasulullah said whoever, not just about him, to lie about him in a dream is a sin that's a qualitatively higher order. A person who just lied about something in their dream, the punishment for that lie is what? Is that they'll be tossed into the hellfire and given two grains of barley and say once you can tie a knot between the two of them, then you'll get let out. And Rasulullah continues, uh, uh, so this is what regarding the prohibition of lying. Rasulullah continues that the person who eavesdrops other people's speech and uh, you know one thing is people are just chit-chatting in public, friends are having an uproariously boisterous conversation and a fun time. They obviously it's not like a secret or anything, right? We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who are trying to just have a conversation and you're eavesdropping. You know, you have an idea that they wouldn't be super excited that you're listening to their conversation if they had known. That person, Yom Al-Qiyamah, molten lead will be poured into their ears as punishment. And the person who uh, uh, is a picture maker, that person, they'll be given their picture that they make and they'll be told to blow a spirit into it. Once you can blow a spirit into it, then you can, you'll be let, let, let out. 
the prohibition in our sacred Sharia of making images is not something that starts with our, our Sharia. Rather, it's also a prohibition from the Sharia of Banu Israel as well. And there's a long discussion with regards to why it's haram to make images. Now the ulama have a difference of opinion amongst one another that are the pictures and the images of animate life that are, that are referred to in the, in the hadith. Are they just merely any picture? Or are they uh, 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 specifically like three-dimensional images? Further than that, they have a discussion, does a, 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 like a photograph count or not? Because a photograph, for example, it's not haram to stand in front of a mirror. Why? Because the mirror is actually just reflecting your, your, your uh, uh, image back to you. Whereas if you draw something, you're actually making it up on your own. Um, these are all differences of opinion in the legal realm. So fine, if you are real hardcore and you don't keep pictures in your house and things like that, that's good. You'll notice that uh, Muslims, it's part of Muslim culture, like I said from before, like just like it's part of Muslim culture, you would see there's no culture in which Muslims classically, uh, uh, you know, Muslim men would leave the house without their heads covered and without their arms covered until their, their, uh, their hands. Um, classically, people don't have pictures up of stuff everywhere or anywhere. Why? Because of hadiths like this. Even though the ulama and the fuqah had a difference of opinion of what it meant. In the Maliki school, the, the prohibition, Maliki said that it's a prohibition of three-dimensional objects, like statues and things like that. So obviously a two-dimensional drawing wouldn't be, wouldn't be included in that. I've never seen any of the Maliki ulama have pictures up in their, in their homes that I studied with at least. Yeah? Yeah, animate objects. It doesn't like it doesn't count like like flowers and plants and geometric shapes and things like that. Calligraphy. I've never seen I've never seen a picture up in any of their homes. The ones I studied with, at any rate. Right? Why? Because they used to respect these things. The fact that it could possibly mean that meant that they were they weren't interested in in, in putting those things up. Uh, and so, if you want to keep pictures, keep them in your phone, keep them in an album. Don't put them up in the walls inside of the house. And generally speaking, uh, this idea of like drawing, uh, drawing pictures of animate objects and, and things like that, this was not considered a, is not a considered a respectable, a respectable living. What I can say is that making tamathil three-dimensional objects uh, is, is pretty open and shut haram. Keeping those in the house is pretty open and shut haram. The only the maximum exemption I can think of in the Sharia is toys for children. And those toys also, they're not, you're not allowed to keep them in, in, in a, a respectable state. You know how people are like collectors, they keep things in their packaging and this and that and resale value and blah, blah, blah. They treat them with respect. That exempts it from the exemption even. Toy is, the toy, one of the reasons, the hikmas of it being permissible is that it's not treated with respect. Children pick it up, they throw it to the side, they whatever, they drool on it, they get it dirty, things like that. Uh, uh, whereas, whereas treating it with respect automatically means that you're not inside of that exemption. Yes. Like I said, the fiqh, the fiqh issue is one debated. So there are some of the ulama that say it's permissible, but don't display them up on the walls. To be honest with you, this is a this is a, a, a specific issue. The the the. Mashaykh I had in the Indian subcontinent, right? 
they actually, they actually, they, this is a specific issue that was dealt with before. One of the great ulama of, inshallah, we can stop the recording. Inshallah, this is the, the, the lessons over. If someone needs to go, you can go, inshallah.